You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 43 of a Life in Ruins podcast, where we investigate the careers of those living life in ruins. I'm your host, Calcium Gover, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Concrete Johnin and Dog Boy Howe. In this episode, we are chatting with Stefan Milo, the proliferator of slander against the Paleolithic. He runs the YouTube channel, Stefan Milo, which is his name. Very original. Stefan, thank you so much for coming back on the show. How are you doing this Sunday afternoon? I mean, I wish I could say I was happy to be here, but it sounds like you guys have uh, prepared an ambush for me, prepared a confrontation, typical Paleolithic style. But no, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> well, we're always happy to have you, man. You're, you're one of the family, I guess. One of the Paleolithic tribe, as it were. Hmm. I'd rather be part of the village, but carry on. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say something like that. Oh, man, there's going to be a lot of puns on this one. Okay. <laughs> Stefan, uh, what's going on in your life lately? Not so much, man. I'm uh, preparing to take 2021 by storm on my YouTube channel. Trying desperately to increase the quality. Try and find a stock footage of historical sites from the corners of the internet. <laughs> and uh, It's very hard. It's very hard, yeah. Try and learn how to make decent maps in After Effects that'll appear on screen for five seconds and nobody will notice, but I'll feel really proud of. But no, yeah, that's uh, that's the big thing. It was also my daughter's birthday two weeks ago. <laughs> so shout out to her first birthday. Oh yeah, and congrats. That's, that's what's going on in my life, really. That's what I do all day, just try and, try and improve my videos, try and make the best archaeology videos on the internet that's my number one goal if uh you guys haven't followed stefan since his last time he was on here i'm sure you do but stefan uh has the fortune to be a uh, full-time youtuber now so congrats to him gets the i do yeah how's that been that's been great really i mean i mean it's totally changed my life i get to not go to work. I mean, I'm still working the same amount of hours. I'm probably working more hours, but it's doing what I love and, and what I enjoy. And I uh, highly encourage anyone with an archaeology degree to put themselves out there into the world. You never know what'll what'll happen because, I mean, we're all aware that once you get your archaeology degree, that is not a, a guaranteed, well-paid career afterwards. So... I don't mean to butt in, but according to all the internet trolls, right? Like we're all about this for the money and that's why we shouldn't be listened to. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> all those billionaire archaeologists out there. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? It might create some uh, extra income for you or you might be able to create your own mini version of uh, National Geographic. Who knows? It's uh, crazy, really. Yeah. Well, we're proud of you, man. It's like, it's good stuff. Every yeah, time awesome. it pops out, it's good. Thanks. Yeah. And just for the record, I would totally sell out. You know, that is a slanderous allegation towards most archaeologists, but I am literally waiting to be bought out here. So <laughs> we have his email address if you need it. Yeah, I got to give you props, Stefan, because I think I sent a couple photos to you over the course of this last semester. But you, David, Raven and Tosh 
I used a lot of your guys' video material for my class this semester and just like punted them off for you guys to teach them so I didn't have to talk. Nice. I mean, that's that's the highest praise, really, because even though I spend a lot of time focusing now on improving just the physical quality of the video, the footage and the animation and all of this stuff, at the end of the day, if a video about history about the past is not talking about it accurately then it's a terrible video no matter how fancy your map is so so really that is the highest praise i appreciate that how has the transition been from leaving your house and going to a place of work and then well i mean i don't know if you were working from home during this pandemic or anything like that but i have had a terrible time working from home and i i imagine that it might be difficult but how's your how's your experience been with that it's been good. I mean, I, I do love it realistically, but there are some things you probably have to do to increase your productivity. Like I've got this thing called a phone tub and it's just a plastic takeaway box, but I put my phone in there and I like set a timer for two or three hours or whatever. And I'm not allowed to take my phone out of that tub until the alarm goes off because, you know, now there are no deadlines to anything I do. My schedule just depends entirely on my uh, productivity so it can get a little bit unproductive sometimes a little bit distracted and I, that's a that's a work in progress for sure i absolutely need whatever that phone thing is because it gets bad for me <laughs> yeah i know i know i mean i used to i didn't work from home before then but i did work from home for a couple of weeks many years ago, about five or six years ago now. And I found the experience of working at home for someone else very different to working at home for myself. There's a lot more incentive for me to be productive when I'm keeping basically 100% of the income. The other side to that is the job that I was working at home from all those years ago, I was writing the blurb for Eastern European porno films. Wow. So... <laughs> That was a very different job that I was doing, but... Do you, how'd you get that one? I was living in Eastern Europe and I was a fluent English speaker and I just sort of fell into it. I met a guy at a bar who was writing uh, e-cigarette adverts for this same company and they started me off in the porno division. <laughs> Dude, would you call that the, the bottom shelf or like the dungeon that you eventually emerge out of? Um... I mean, it was an experience. <laughs> I won't repeat, but. Man. Yeah. That's the American dream there. <laughs> There's where you are now. Look at you go. <laughs> Eastern European dream. Yeah. So uh, if you have an archaeology degree, I highly encourage you to start a YouTube channel because you really don't know what you'll end up doing if you fail <laughs> to make it in the world of archaeology. So we recently did that collab. That was really fun. I'm just going to go on the record. Stefan asked me to do <laughs> this collaboration in 2019. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I can do that. And then it took me until like literally last month to get it done finally. But I got it. Turned it in. And he put it on his channel. And it was pretty fun. And the comments were wild. But yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. I mean, it worked out for you, really. I probably had 10,000 subscribers when I asked you and like 80,000 by the time you finished it. <laughs> and I, I swear that wasn't intentional. <laughs> I yeah. realized that afterwards. I was like, man, he probably thought I did that on purpose. But honestly, it just worked <laughs> out that way. 
Yeah. David was literally freaking out about getting that submitted. Like every time we talked to him, he was, he was like, fuck, I gotta get this video done. And that was like for 80 weeks, that was a, that was a pretty integral part of our conversations for a while was David saying he needed to get that video done. Well, you did really go to town with it. I mean, there were costume changes. There was CGI. <laughs> I really wasn't expecting any of that. You know, I was expecting stock footage of dogs and your voice. So I, obsessed I appreciate over. the effort. Yeah, man, no problem. And then I got called Al- archaeology Zach Galifianakis in one of the comments. <laughs> yeah, that was my yeah. favorite. I want to... I've been called Zach Galifianakis like many times in my life, <laughs> but archaeology Zach Galifianakis is my new favorite title of all time. So I'm and the uh, Chumley, Chumley from Porn Stars. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of porn again, you said that to me, or actually, that was when I was at work, and I've been trying to put my phone away at work when, when I'm working, so I don't get distracted by it. My coworker. I guess just glanced over it while I was in the back room and he was like, Hey, you might want to read this text. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah. But yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, man. It was, it was good stuff. Got a couple subscribers out of it. So it's a good time. Yeah. I actually got called out for my production value after you had put so much effort into your video. My uh, own viewers were putting me to shame. So I had to run out and buy like a new light and microphone <laughs> just to uh, compete well, the the new video looked good. So, but I mean, your your quality's great. The it's like you have a very like if I were to turn on Discovery or like Nat Geo and watch like a documentary on archaeology that I didn't have to worry about, you know, like is this correct? That's kind of like your style, you know. And I think that's what people gravitate towards on YouTube. Yeah, th- thanks man. I do try. I'm really trying to uh increase the quality the, of this next video I'll, I'll give your listeners a sneak peek it's about the indus valley civilization and whether they were a ancient communist utopia oh i know click baity title or what but there is this idea that they were peaceful and egalitarian and i'm just talking through the uh, evidence for that but I'm really trying hard with the scripting and just just everything. All I try to do is to be the absolute best archaeology channel. When I see anyone who's made a really good video, I want to be better than them. I'm like extremely competitive in that sense. Well, that's good, man. That's what like makes good content, you know. Hashtag Tosh, hashtag Raven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bring it on, my enemies. Did you have a lot of shots of Portland in that video? I might have some shots. Here's, here's a shot that I I want to make, but I don't know if I will. But I want to make the point that if an archaeologist was to look at the ruins of our civilization in 5,000 years, it would be really obvious that there is a stark divide between the rich and the poor. Well, at the point where I was saying that, I was going to cruise around Portland and film rich people's houses and then contrast that with a shot of the homeless people here in Portland, which is just huge. I mean, it's really Mm -hmm. terrible. We have a huge amount of homeless people here. It's it's very sad. And I just don't feel like I can film these poor people in a way that isn't like exploitative. exploitative. Yeah. So I got to think of something else to do to illustrate poverty. And I don't know what yet. 
That's difficult, especially because they have, don't they have like a whole block or like a corner? I, I was there a couple of years back and they at least had a series of corners, a tent, tent city that was occurring in downtown Portland. Yeah, especially since COVID, there are a couple of areas around town where they've created cities. I mean, not city, that's, that's a very grand term shanty towns you could say basically out of sheds and the homeless people get to live in a shed and there are probably like 50 sheds in this parking lot that the city has taken over but dotted around town there are also lots of homeless people as well it's really quite sad and i thought about maybe i could film this shot and then donate uh, you know money from the video to a homeless charity but that still feels quite exploitative i'm not asking you know, yeah, it still feels exploitative to film people for a video that I would make profit on. So I don't think I will do it. Maybe I could just film like a can of American cheese or something that probably illustrates poverty. <laughs> Spam. Spam <laughs> is the ultimate sign of poverty. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I've got to think about that. But but yeah, this is this is all part of improving the quality. It's, it's hard to get footage, you know, that's good and meaningful. It's very hard. Yeah. Speaking of poverty, Connor, Carlton, you guys want to chime in? What? How I live in it? Are you calling me poor? I don't. I, yeah, I don't understand. Like, what? What? <laughs> what does that mean? There was a you know a significant revolution in, in the past that brought on a lot of you know abject poverty in the human. Oh, yeah. are you saying that we just say fuck the Neolithic? <laughs> well, we can't curse anymore. Remember, but yes, yes, is what I was going to say. <laughs> you know, I mean, whilst we're on the subject, can I bring up the article? that I was going to use to prove the supremacy of the Neolithic against the Paleolithic. Absolutely. In the next segment, we would be happy to do that. So we'll be right back with Stefan Milo from Life and Ruins, episode 43, right after these messages. Fuck the Neolithic. Welcome back to episode 43 of a Life in Ruins podcast. We are interviewing Stefan Milo and we... We kind of teased it at the end of the last section. We wanted to talk about this this week we had on social media where there might have been a little bit of a war going on. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I don't know if I'd call it a war because it was just such demolition by us against Stefan. But no, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, Stefan, do you want to give us kind of the background of how this started? Listen to me, listeners of A Life in Ruins. <laughs> There's way too many Paleolithic memes out there, and I had enough. I had enough. The Neolithic is a fine time period. Many people would say it's the best time period. It's got this written down. And I haven't got it written down. This is how passionately I feel about it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and these Paleolithic meme pages exist purely to slander and profit off the good name of the Neolithic, whose, whose many advances we still benefit from today. So I had enough. A major propagator of Paleolithic memes is the Life in Ruins Instagram channel. So, uh, or Instagram page, whatever you call it. So I had to call them out. I had to call them out and I won. So just for clarification, this started because David on Ethnocynology posted a Paleolithic meme. 
And then Stefan came after David for doing so. David comes into our little group chat that we have with the Life and Ruins. He's like, hey, Stefan's trying to slam us. I'm like, no, he's slamming you. This isn't Ruins. <laughs> and then Connor yeeted my concerns and said, the Neolithic. And then so then that's how I got dragged into this. Like, I wanted nothing to do with it. David drug us two into it. Connor said, we're on. And that's how this whole Life and Ruins versus Stefan Milo thing started was uh, – <laughs> him picking on David and then David running to us for help. And then it became like a week long of just like memes going back and forth. And I was texting Stefan, like, you do realize I studied the Neolithic, right? Like I'm 100% on your side at all this. I'm just outgunned by my two uh, co-hosts. Yeah. I actually think Connor is the worst offender. I think really he is the one driving the paleolithic memes. It seems to me. I think that's fair to say that's fair. They're not very good, but they I certainly try. To give your listeners a taste of the ridiculousness <laughs> of these memes, they'll be like, you know, oh man, wasn't Chernobyl a disaster? Thanks, Neolithic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Blaming absolutely everything on the poor Neolithic when all those guys wanted was a beer and a sandwich. Yeah, this is true. It was like make make peace out of Palisades, support the Paleolithic. Just like some of them were just amazing. Like I had a good time just watching this all unfold. It was yeah, your yeah. your your video where you're like walking your daughter, like pushing your daughter along in a stroller as you're outside. <laughs> Life of the Roots, who funds you? Is it the Trump campaign? Is it Exxon Mobil? Who supports these memes? I was just yeah. dying. Like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, big oil. Because well, here's the connection, you know, they're abandoning responsibility for the problems of the modern world by blaming it all on the Neolithic, you know. I have it on good authority that every member of a life in ruins drives a lifted Hummer <laughs> and you know, just pours fuel out of the window as they're driving along and then says, Oh man, global warming, isn't that the fault of the Neolithic? <laughs> Not my responsibility at all. <laughs> This this podcasting gig is pretty pretty money worthy for doing that. Yeah. For the people listening, Stefan made a video on his Instagram story calling us out, and as this one was rightful, I loved it. But he's walking his 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 child, his sweet child, in a stroller with his mask on. I, I think I can't remember with the Oregon fires in the background, like in the sky was orange, walking down the street, talking about how <laughs> we're part of the Exxon whatever conspiracy about the Neolithic and there's people walking by. He's like, all right, like walking by and just calling us out. Yeah. It was hilarious. And I, I called me out saying that I had probably a lifted car or whatever. And I went outside and looked at how much gas mileage I got on my Jeep. I wore my gas mask, obviously, because I had to be dramatic and just to prove that I did have a, a giant car that gives gas mileage. So, yeah. There you go. And then I tried to do the same thing, except for I showed my license plate to everyone on social media. So <laughs> <laughs> that ended real quickly. And I want to give our listeners some some examples of what Stefan was doing. He he started out with a different kind of tact. You know, he you know, you see those inspirational kind of posters and pictures of like you can do it yeah you know don't walk by yourself i, I don't even know what they are because i don't i don't believe any of it but he he took that tact and kind of created some of those and I'll, i'm gonna read at least a couple for you these were good 
Yeah, so in the background of this one is some sort of Central American temple. And it says, people come and go. Corn is forever. Damn straight. <laughs> Hashtag Bailey <laughs> <who> sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's another one. Never let fear stop you from growing wheat. Hashtag Neolithic players for life. Hell yeah. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. And I will say I was the purveyor. I am much more interested in the Paleolithic t- as a time period because the Neolithic is just boring, man. They're just farmers. They're just doing farm things. Like I don't, I literally live in farmland. Going along with that maze comment, Connor made a meme that looks like a prescription, you know, bottle with, with like a side effects. It says, what are the side effects? And it's like a picture of maze cavities, obesity, malnutrition, population growth, cities slash urban centers, inequality, warfare, monarchy, human sacrifice gets stuck in your teeth. Hashtag Neolithic sucks at the life of podcast. It's just like, it was, it was poor Caleb Welch. didn't know who to side with this one. He must've had like internal turmoil trying to figure out whose side he was on. Stefan Milo or life and ruins. Here's the thing. I would take all of those happily if I could still eat a taco. I mean, I'm I'm new to the taco game because I grew up in Britain in a small (laughs) town with absolutely zero (laughs) Mesoamericans there, zero Hispanic people in my small English town. But they're fantastic, man. Come on, a little bit of monarchy for some tacos. That's a fair trade. Canada's a monarchy and they're doing fine. Britain's a monarchy, you know, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. Wait, did you say Canada is a monarchy? It's kind of a monarchy. Yeah, it is. It, yeah. It's the same thing as Britain, right? Big Liz, Big Queen Liz. Yeah, I was about to say, isn't it just a British monarchy? Well, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know. It's still a monarchy. I don't know. <laughs> Let's talk about imperialism, shall we? <laughs> Nothing bad ever happened from imperialism. Nothing. I should say, I should clarify, if anyone's gotten this far, this is all in good taste, and I'm not going to die on the colonialism hill, okay? I'm not going to that. This is, this is just about the memes. But my point stands that tacos are brilliant, and a world without them is a poorer place. Point one for you. I'll give you a point for that. I respect that. Tacos are just, they're too much to to lose but <laughs> the speaking of uh, not being able to swear the article i prepared is called human sound systems are shaped by post neolithic changes in bite configuration and they basically argue that the soft neolithic diet that we've all gotten used to has allowed us to pronounce f and v sounds which are very rare apparently in hunter-gatherer languages I don't know. I'm not a linguist. I'm just reading the abstract in front of me. But yeah, so you're living in the Paleolithic. It's cold outside, probably. Let's say you're in the Ice Age still. You've hunted your food. You'd go outside for a a pee. You come back in and someone's eaten your favorite deer testicle or whatever it is they eat in the world without tacos. (laughs) You can't even swear at the person. You can't even say to them, F you, F off, because you don't have an overbite. You don't, you'd have to be like, Dave, you bloody banana. What are you doing? 
<laughs> so you can't even swear properly in the Paleolithic. It's it's a terrible time. Is that paper like like true? I'd seen something like that go around, but I wasn't sure if that was like scientifically sound or not. In the science, yeah, science, fifteenth of March, twenty nineteen. I'll send you guys the link. I, I have no way to uh, confirm the validity of it because I don't know anything about dentistry or languages, but that's what they're saying. That's what they're arguing. Sure. Me neither either. I'm not trying to like discredit it. I was just like genuinely curious, but if that is the case, I would be very sad because I do use that word very colorful. Exactly. Just not on this podcast anymore, but Sorry for my absence there earlier. My internet cut out, but really I was in the bathroom because in the Neolithic just made so much gluten. Yeah, yeah. at least you had a bathroom in the Neolithic. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, Comcast just sucks, really. But you get Taco Bell from the Neolithic, and I don't know if Taco Bell has ever been good for someone's digestive tract. I imagine if we went back in time 25,000 years and said, Oi, Ice Age Connor, here's a Taco Bell. He would think it was the greatest thing anyone's ever made. And then, you know, proceed to lose all the water he might have saved up. Yeah, it would just come out the other end. <laughs> it would just be awful. <laughs> but, but that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah, Crunchwrap Supreme. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, if I could remember the first time I had one, I've been like, whoa. I could get down with the Neolithic. Can I, can I ask, deviating slightly? Yeah. Does becoming a meme page dramatically grow your online presence that's what i'm curious about no we're curious about it too <laughs> no it, it hasn't we've been we've been around three thousand for quite some time now fair enough that's all right i won't sell out then i won't sell out my neolithic beliefs then i would have done but i would have done for internet fame but if it's not going to work out i'll stick to loving the neolithic the memes are mostly therapeutic for Connor. <laughs> that is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we do them. <laughs> He'll just send us like 40 memes in the morning and like we'll pick one. <laughs> they're good. But like we, we also make them too. Carlton makes a good one here and there as well. And you can tell they're mine if they're still wrong. Yeah, how about the the bronze age, the bronze age, the bronze age. The page, you know. Yeah, but the, the memes do get shares, though. They get way more. Here's the thing, Stefan. I can write. I spend two, three hours researching and writing an Instagram post, and then I'll do it for ruins as well, and it will get 40 likes. But then Connor makes a meme about nothing, <laughs> and it gets 88 shares. Yeah, I can just get sad one day and be like, oh, I need to express my my sadness through memes. <laughs> get like 3,000. Yeah, a recent one was like 3,000 likes for, for what, the Hobbit one or whatever. People celebrating yeah. New Year. Yeah, yeah. That was a funny one. The first one that did well was that researcher from UT Austin cracked the cuneiform code. So it took that tablet with the translations and at the bottom, right, it said like Epstein didn't kill himself because this was back in like 2019. And that, <laughs> that that spread like wildfire. That one took off. And then the that one after that off. where it's like Big Bird in a wagon, it's like archaeologists after drinking till 5 a.m. And it's like 6 a.m. Field director comes in, you know, get to work or something like that. I don't know. That's how a big... They kind of started, but like we ride it done. Yeah, we ride it done. And but that's like David's absolutely right. Like he'll come on, or we've tried writing like really science focused 
posts, but they just get no engagement. But the memes, the memes, man. Yeah, yeah it's a hard one. There's a similar thing on YouTube. There's no correlation between how much effort you put into a video and how successful it will be. Like the, the video I made, as this Paleolithic meme war was going on, I was actually knee-deep researching the Paleolithic for a video I was making on it about the Aurignacian period over in Europe. And I put a lot of effort into that video. I had, you know, I was interviewing two different people. It took me months to research all the sources. And it's got half as many views as a video I made on just this one archaeology site about Rome that took me two days to make that just used one source. So there really is no, uh, on the internet, there is no correlation between effort and and success in a way. But I say that as I spent the first 15 minutes of the show talking about how important it was to improve the quality. I don't know where I'm going with this, but basically the internet is a, is a fickle mistress. Yeah, if, if you measure it at like one point, I don't think those things correlate. But I think if you look at the the larger trend, you know, you obviously put a lot of work in to your YouTube channel and it, and it shows, you know, with the amount of subscribers you get and whatnot. So it's, I think it's a cumulative kind of trend over time thing that, that shows that, and that's the reason why we aren't gaining any followers. <laughs> you haven't posted quality memes for long enough. Is that what you're saying? Or good enough content. <laughs> <laughs> Another pressing issue that I've seen in the past year, I guess, 2020, and the great Paleolithic Neolithic War of 2020 was obviously, it was just attrition. But the greatest shade that I saw all of 2020 was Hattori Maza just absolutely ripping on Italy when he was trying to draw all those Rome paintings <laughs> yeah. for you, Stefan. Like, <laughs> I was surprised to see that. <laughs> I think... Maybe this is a, a contrast of opinions between Europeans and Americans sometimes. And I kind of get where Atore is coming from. Like Americans would visit Europe and think the history is in incredible. And it really is fantastic. Of course, I love it. But when you're living there and you have all this history around you, it can be quite restrictive. You see it every day. You hear about it every day. You know, you can't build whatever house you want because it's on an archaeological site it can almost seem like restrictive in a way yeah it's like growing up at the beach like you don't want to go to the beach every day maybe yeah yeah but he's got literally rome right i mean he doesn't live in rome but yeah you got all of italy right there i mean imagine what the history curriculum is like in an italian school they must talk about <laughs> rome every bloody day <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if you two guys saw it, but when Stepan did, I think you were doing some Punic War stuff, which is just a fascinating time period. Atore was drawing those like really ornate like battles and like some Roman soldiers and the one with Rome's furthest outpost and which was in the Middle East somewhere. And Atore was like, I don't like drawing Rome, but here's a picture. <laughs> it, was like, yeah. it was really funny to me. It just made me laugh at work. <laughs> I mean, it's probably the same with America, maybe like your guys' history curriculum is so heavily weighted to the founding fathers, probably, or the Civil War. It's just the thing that always comes up. Where I went to school, it was called the War of Northern Aggression. <laughs> no way. Really? No, 
Yeah. <laughs> we'll be right back with segment three of Life and Ruins Podcast with Stefan Milo. Welcome back to episode 43 of a Life and Ruins Podcast. We're interviewing Stefan Milo and we we need to tell our guests and kind of give them more information about the, the Paleolithic and Neolithic and European slash American time period. So Carlton, do you mind defining what the Paleolithic is? Of course, concrete. So Paleolithic stands for Old Stone Age. Paleolithic, by and large, at a global scale, Paleolithic societies are hunting and gathering communities, small scale bands, maybe tribes, but mostly bands. And they're using stone tool technology, heavy meat diet, like I said, hunting and gathering there are instances like at Chattahoyuk where they're building monuments, but like generally talk about mobile hunting and gathering groups um, that occupy a large space on the landscape in small numbers. Awesome. And that's so, and that's a period of time that we kind of think covers almost, almost all of human existence, right? 99% of human technology is considered the paleolithic yeah so like i'm trying to think if we'd extend the paleolithic to cover like australopithecines i'm not quite sure when the official start date is but like if you look at modern anatomically modern humans like 120,000 years ago it's not really until the first vestiges of like agriculture start developing around like 10,000 years ago so over 99 percent of human history has been us as in, in the Paleolithic as hunting and gathering populations. And then around this 10,000 year mark, people just get a wild hair, right? They just like, oh crap. Yeah, something goes on. I mean, like most of the time that we think of these major transitions in technology, more than likely they're kind of by accident. So as you are like foraging crops, right? And you're selecting better like if you look at grains and such there's there's a process that went on and i i'm really not knowledgeable in like the like mesopotamian agriculture revolution in terms of like what the process was that, that really started agriculture but as a byproduct of humans in the middle east selecting certain crops to harvest because of that selection there were just byproducts of genetic change in in some of these in some of these crops it's, it's a really fascinating topic and people should definitely look at it. So then we start going from like the Paleolithic and, and what's, what's you know even more fascinating is the transition from Paleolithic Old Stone Age to Mesolithic, meaning the Middle Stone Age, is that it happened repeatedly across the globe in isolated events or through processes of diffusion. So it's not like one, you snap your fingers and humans are like, okay, we're in the Mesolithic. It was gradual and often occurred at different times and places. And that's just the adoption of or incorporation of domestication of plants and animals into your hunter and gathering life ways. So it's kind of a mix of both worlds. You're getting the best of both, really. And then there's the full-blown Neolithic transformation, which we talked about, which me and Stefan are uh, proponents of, which is full-blown use of domesticates such as, uh, such as you know corn, if you're talking about the new world, and in the old world, um, your grains such as barley, wheat, flax. So that's, those are the kind of differences. So the Mesolithic is the Middle Stone Age. Neolithic means New Stone Age. And they're just, people are doing different, it's just different strategies for subsistence and survival. Well, thank you for that beautiful and concise summing up of that. Yeah, and I think that 
I would actually say maybe the maybe the Mesolithic is kind of the, the most interesting time period, in my opinion, where they're doing kind of both of these things. But, you know, obviously I have no idea what I'm talking about. So, I mean, there is these definitions, you know, it's hard to fit all of human history into like three categories of economic production. So there are areas like over here in Portland, you know, uh, the the Native Americans here, the Chinookan peoples were living at a really high population density, but using like river resources and, and things like that. So on the one hand, you could say they were leading a very Neolithic lifestyle, like they were sedentary communities for the most part, but they didn't have domesticated crops. So you were like the whole of human history can't really fit into just three categories. There's a lot of like gray areas as well. Yeah, a lot of gray area. And like we've had Dr. Shane Miller on and he researches Paleo-Indian, which is the American equivalent of Paleolithic populations in the Southeast. And he's looking at like early domesticate use, right? And in North American archaeology, we really don't apply terms like Paleolithic, Mesolithic or Neolithic, but they certainly exist here. We just use other terminology that is depending on your region or even depending by what state institution you were educated in you have different terms for some of these different processes. So it's just like convoluted in archeological literature, no matter where you go. And there's always like exceptions to the rule, but like generally speaking, paleolithic, small scale hunting and gathering, Mesolithic, small scale kind of farming, still hunting and gathering and Neolithic is like large scale farming using domesticated animals. Yeah. Broad strokes. The Neolithic is the only one where you could eat a kebab and drink a beer. Just saying. <laughs> that's, that's completely accurate. And I love, um, I love how you mentioned, Carlton, that it's not consistent over time. So you have these periods where folks transition earlier to farming or where people stay in this kind of Mesolithic lifestyle. It's, it's really interesting to see from a worldwide perspective that things don't happen exactly the same time throughout the world, throughout human history. It's this kind of beautiful variety of things that happen. Right. And it's like, you know, when I went to Ukraine, I think I mentioned this before, I was working on a Neolithic analogy or upper Mesolithic analogy to what I work on in Nebraska. And it's like a 10,000 year old site. Sorry, it's six, it's 6,500 BC. So not 10, oh, almost, sorry, 8,000. And the whole point is like, they, they were like, yeah, this is how old it is. Like, how old is the site you work at? I'm like, oh, you know, it, it started around 1250. Like, oh, 1250 BC, that's not too bad. I'm like, no, 1250 AD, like 800 years ago. And they were just like, what? I'm like, yeah, we really didn't get farming communities in that part of the world till like much later. And they're like, dude, by 1250, we had knights and castles around here. And we were like, part of the, you know, Kievan Rus. I'm like, yeah, you know, we all go at our own pace. Yeah, it's not a competition, <laughs> Ukraine. All right, keep, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> oh, we were knights first because the knights were so good. Like nothing bad happened in like the sad ages. <laughs> right, yeah, so. Just in case anyone is listening who's really unfamiliar with archaeology, like uh, the Neolithic didn't start in the Americas of 1250s. Like Mesoamerican civilizations go back thousands of years. It would just be that where you are, Carlton. You know, I don't want someone to think that stuff just started in oh, 1258 yeah, yeah. in the Americas. I'm, I'm specifically talking about like Nebraska. <laughs> like not not trying to speak for the entirety of the Western Hemisphere. Just like where I work in Nebraska, 
twelve fifty. But like as as Stefan said, you get domesticated crops in specifically like the Mexican basin much earlier in the BCs, and it kind of expands through that. And I think that's one of the only points that Jared Diamond makes in is it guns, germs, and steel that I actually that I like that kind of dichotomy between domesticates east and west and north and south. But you know, anyways, it's green eggs and ham. Yes, it was. It's kind of <laughs> yeah, okay. I know. I know. He's written a couple books, and so I just wanted to make sure I got it correct. I was called at Green Eggs and Ham because it's just might as well be. <laughs> oh, gotcha, gotcha. So, David, where do dogs fit into this entire debate? Between Paleo and Neolithic. Yeah, how does their lifestyle change between Paleo to Neolithic? Well, there's a paper going around the internet right now and everyone sent it to me being like, have you read this? And it's like literally titled, humans couldn't stomach the original paleo diet. What led to dogs? It's like, oh my God, rolling my eyes. But Oh, Angela Perry shared that on Facebook and I saw it and I saw that you were already tagged in it. I was like, okay, I don't need to bug David with this. Yeah, I think she's of the same opinion as me. It's just like, well, one, I, I find the headline just clickbaity because it's like, it's just bandwagon hate to just hate on the paleo diet, kind of like Star Wars. So, and it just gets people to click on it. But it's just essentially saying that dogs are eating human scraps. So, cool. New news. <laughs> we knew that. But the dog story fits into it because we have dogs in the Paleolithic. And then, like, by the Neolithic, you have dogs to help, like, herd goats and to, like, you know, protect your flocks of other ungulates like sheep and goats and cows and stuff like later on when they get domesticated to you know keep the wolves away and stuff so i mean not highly specialized herding dogs and stuff but later on i think if i was to criticize the neolithic if i was to go crazy and do that probably the huge food surplus that allowed people to just lead lazier and lazier lives like bureaucrats and stuff led to the creation of lap dogs and stuff like that yeah. and all the crazy tiny mutated dogs we now have like like pugs that can't normally respirate because they have squished little faces and stuff like yeah. that but that's the only downside of the neolithic you don't think like heroin you know what um it's arguably a good thing i get um, depending on <laughs> how you want to go out but. we're talking about downsides not upsides here <laughs> 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 I want to go on record because Stefan mentioned something that was, you know, maybe bad about the Neolithic. I feel like I should go back and say something bad about the Paleolithic. And in the Paleolithic, because of less uh, robust or less consistent food sources, and there's just a bunch of other factors that led to ultimately kind of a shorter lifespan and maybe a more harsher lifespan in the Paleolithic. But that's that's the only thing that's really 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 long with the paleo i mean if, if you think of like paleolithic populations up until the ice age like every animal we were up against was like three times the size it is now the climate was cold like for for all the shortcomings of any period of human history that we can look at uh, our conversation really highlights the robustness and ingenuity of human populations throughout our entire history, right? At the end of the day, the Paleolithic, you could argue, is a much simpler time. But with that, you're talking about you don't have expertise in medicines and, and things like that. 
but we did it for over a hundred thousand years through some of the harshest environments that we, our species have, has existed in as we were atomically modern. Right. And then going into like the Neolithic, like you're talking about huge surpluses in food. You might be only eating three kinds of food and your teeth might be falling out, but like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but you don't, but you have food security and you have, you know, you have a dedicated city watch. And so like there's, there's plus and minuses to each of these things. Right. That's it. I mean, if you're in the Paleolithic, like deep in the Paleolithic, you know, where mammoths are still running around, I don't fancy taking them on. But at the same time, after like a month in the Neolithic and you're like, what's for dinner? And they're like, bread again for the rest of your life, obviously. It might get a bit boring. I'll, I'll say some good about the Neolithic. I mean, you get writing, you get like time to hang out. Well, I mean, arguably you get less time, but I mean, you get specialized labor and you get really good at one thing. You get coopers, you get cobblers, and you get someone who's really good at making flutes. And then another guy who flint nappers, Tim, you know, and you go hang out in his hut and learn how to flint nap and you can apprentice and stuff. Or you don't have to spend half your day also knowing how to weave and sew and dig for tubers and, you know suck leeches off of grandpa's leg and i mean you still might have to do that depending on where in the words you are but i've never had to suck leeches off my grandfather's leg that was oddly specific i'm sorry well, where's your grandpa going like <laughs> <laughs> i don't know never met him but just like <laughs> Dave is revealing too much about his childhood here we're gonna have to cut that part <laughs> is, is, is dean your grandpa is Dean my grandpa? No, but I'm supposed to say bad about the Paleolithic, right? Yeah, the bad thing about Paleolithic is like you're you're constantly foraging and like you're at the whim of your environment. So like, there's a drought in the savanna, like you're out, dude. And like if you're, I mean, you can somehow get around it sometimes, but I mean you're you're screwed. And if you're in the Arctic and then like the reindeer don't show that winter, like you're SOL. So, but in the Neolithic, you got some crop surplus to hold you over. So I guess it's all right. <laughs> there are a lot of paleolithic skeletons with broken bones man it was a hard time it was it was yeah and you and if if your appendix went you know it's game over well that's probably true for both time periods <laughs> it was. i was gonna ask stefan about the sea peoples you know why haven't you made a video on them everyone's made a video on the sea peoples man i meant the north american sea peoples that went around the world Oh, Matt, I'm sat knowledge. right next to America before. That's coming out. Don't worry about that. Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. It's going to take the internet by storm. I'm actually worried I'm going to be sued for making this video. This is going to be the video. If any video gets me sued, it might be this one. Oh, my God. I'm so excited because I've listened to it on the audiobook and like some things I listen to, and I'm like, all right, that's cool. And then everything's the next thing he says. I'm like, oh. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? Graham Hancock. Oh. Did you know Carlton in his book, America Before, he devotes an entire chapter to the similarities of Pawnee religion and ancient Egyptian religion? I was gonna actually going to ask you more about that when I'm further into the research part. What are you talking about? I thought you said you read it. No, what are you talking about? Hold it. Is Graham Hancock makes similarities between Skeety Pawnee mythology and the Egyptians? Yeah, he said that you guys have trial at the end of your life and that if you travel along the Milky Way, I'm really paraphrasing here because I'm still reading the book, but 
And basically he's comparing it to the, you know, Egyptian ritual where, you know, they've got to say the songs in the Book of the Dead and have their heart weighed and all of that and then travel along the Milky Way. It's it's a funny thing. I was actually reading it the other day. I was going to ask you about whether his take on Pawnee religion is accurate. Well, I don't think he consulted with the Pawnee Nation in any way, shape, and form. So, uh, I, mm, mm. my comment will come later. How about, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll comment later when I'm not f***ing enraged. <laughs> yeah, you should check it out. See what has to say. <laughs> now I'm so mad. I had other things to do today, but now I'm going to get distracted. Well, uh, on that note, <laughs> we're going to have to end the show. So, <laughs> Stefan, it's been great having you. We are proud of you. We're glad to see you're you're doing well on YouTube, making well for yourself. It's always good to see a you know a British person come here and and do well for themselves. Isn't that the American dream? <laughs> yeah. that was about to say hashtag America. <laughs> so that was episode forty three of a Life Ruins podcast, where we interviewed Stefan Milo. Thank you so much, and we will catch you next week. Thanks for listening to a Life in Ruins podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at a Life in Ruins podcast. And you can also email us at a Life in Ruins podcast at gmail.com. And remember, make sure to bring your archaeologists in from the cold and feed them beer. All right. It is bad joke time. So, gents, what's the difference between a well-dressed man on a unicycle and a poorly dressed man on a bicycle? I don't know. Attire. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Dean Johnnen for sending me this link to all the the crappy dad jokes. That one hurt. Like I'm physically in pain. <laughs> This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV Traveling America, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Rachel Roden. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.